since Brexit and Trump and everything like that, Facebook really cracked down in terms of the algorithm. And I found that has driven growth of my Twitter page or my um, Twitter account more than anything I've ever done before. So I thought, you know, it'd be funny. They should get a rescue hovercraft and call it the Flying Farage. And it'll turn out with a big Farage face plastered on it, you know. So today on the Engaging Marketeer podcast, I am joined by Simon Harris of Man Behaving Dadly and Southend News Network. Simon is an absolute genius at social media and has managed to raise hundreds of thousands of pounds for charity, pretty much by fooling newspapers and right-wing imbeciles like Nigel Farage into believing fake news is real. So I'll be speaking to Simon about how he's done that, how he's raised such a huge following, how he's raised so much money for charity, and basically what businesses can do to emulate his success to get their own little bit of success online through Facebook and through Twitter. You run Man Behaving Dadly. You you also set up Southend News Network to hugely successful satire pages. Why? What was your motivation in, in doing that? Slightly different for both. Southend News Network was, what, 2015. And the motivation behind that was to literally have a dig at both both the sort of local news media, but I mean, obviously in, in a slightly more lighthearted way, but also maybe a dig at local council, local government, because it started out as a very hyper-local thing, you know, style of family examiner, that sort of, uh, you know, really highly focused geographical thing. But obviously the problem of doing that with a fake news stroke satire page is that, you know, it doesn't take long for the inspiration to run out because South News Network was constantly going on about, we don't have an air show anymore how dare they and the council doing this that and the other but of course there's only so many angles you can take with that so it very quickly just became a general um <laughs> slam site mm. basically like all satire pages do it sort of starts off uh, leaning a bit to the left and it just moves further and further to the left because it's a lot easier to satirize from a left-wing perspective than a right-wing perspective as you can probably imagine um and yeah it just sort of grew and grew until the point where from a financial perspective, Facebook were making it very difficult to... You could publish stuff, but the reach was going further and further. You know, the sort of reach dies more and more. And again, I talk to satire and fake news pages now, and they're, they're all saying the same thing. Because again, clicks mean, you know, points mean prizes, clicks mean cash, basically in terms of advertising revenue on Facebook. Ever since Brexit and Trump and everything like that, Facebook really cracked down in terms of the algorithm on how people see content and then that's what basically i'll i'll occasionally put new content on there but it's just not worth my time unfortunately mm. and when i move on to other things such as as you mentioned man behaving daddy which is i consider it half satirical half political um half parenting half product reviews so you know what's that four halves now but um, <laughs> it's just a general you know it's kind of taking all those piss-takey elements and satirical bits and pieces and maybe just um, putting them all together to create a parenting blog that's not like a lot of other parenting blogs that are very sort of Instagrammy and, you know, we got two weeks at Centre Parks, look at us, kind of, you know. Because, again, there's no such thing as a parenting expert. It irritates me when you get people proclaiming themselves to be parenting experts when they're not, you know. You're an expert in your own kids, barely sometimes, but... 
it's kind of like an anti-parenting blog <laughs> for parents who don't do parenting blogs, if that makes sense. It's yeah. kind of like a mishmash of everything. I mean, again, it gets political an awful lot of the time, but again, you know, politics affects every single facet of every single little thing. So people might, oh, you know, I only followed you originally for parenting content. Well, again, there's only so many times you can say the same thing, you know, I've got kids, it's difficult. They poo everywhere. They're sick everywhere. They keep me up at night. Well, once you've done that to death, then what? You know, and I'm not just one of these sort of navel gazing, you know, oh, it's been so hard today. Look at me, sort of people, basically. <laughs> so it's just like a kind of a mishmash of whatever's in my head at any particular moment of the day. Yeah. You you, you touched on um, Facebook algorithms there, and that's something that yeah. I think every business owner has the problem with when they're trying to promote their own businesses on, on Facebook. What's your insight into that? What where do you think it's happened and, and where do you think it's going to go? There's absolutely no way of knowing. I know why I know why it's happened because and again COVID was a great example of this because COVID, the emphasis went on tackling maybe extreme right content to tackling COVID misinformation because there was a real danger at one point of COVID misinformation potentially killing people because again you start reading these crazy stuff about 5g microchips in vaccines and you don't get your vaccine obviously the consequences of that would have been absolutely catastrophic for people so the algorithm will change at the drop of a hat and just when you think you may have figured out how it's going facebook will change it because the last thing that facebook and meta want is for people to know exactly how the algorithm works every time you get a so-called algorithm expert pops up. They'll say, you know, all you've got to do is create content that your audience will engage with. It's like, well, that's great. But they might be engaging with it one week and the next week they're not seeing it. And that's why you see companies posting sometimes saying, you know, our reach is down. Please like this post, please. You know, you're trying to almost chase your own town. It just doesn't work. Mm. Um, and COVID's an interesting one, actually, because I was part of a project called Essex Coronavirus Action over the pandemic we've now transformed it into more of a community space called Essex is United. But again, we were actually getting caught out by the algorithm ourselves just for merely mentioning vaccines. Because at one point, Facebook were just as keen to squash positive vaccine content than they were to, discuss, to squash negative content. They obviously say that it didn't happen, but we've got proof that it pretty much did, mm. to be fair. Where we would post... We were doing a post about saying, oh, this is where you can get your vaccine in South Essex this weekend. And within seconds, there would be a little bar at the bottom of the post added by Facebook saying, you know, please note you can only trust the following sources of vaccine information. And of course, anybody seeing that, regardless of what we're posting, will go, oh, I'm going to skip past that because it's warning me. Yeah. And if you try to share it, you instantly got a warning before sharing it as well, saying, are you sure you want to share this? Nine times out of ten people would go, yeah, okay, whatever, I can't be bothered. Even though we were essentially on their site. <laughs> you know, so at one point the algorithm almost starts to eat itself. I think but again, from Facebook's perspective, what else could they do? Because there was so much of it flying around at one point, it was kind of they had to take a very hard line on it, which obviously affected us. But hopefully, it eradicated a lot of the absolute garbage that was flying around at the time as well. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of you saying that the algorithm was affecting you and you're trying to help people yeah. when you set it up this uh, Essex coronavirus action, I saw that. It was really cool, the stuff that you're putting out there, by the way. Mm. What advice would you have to businesses who are trying to build their reputation on Facebook, trying to build their reach? Is there anything they can do? Um, be as uncorporate as possible. Because, again, one of the successes of Essex coronavirus action um, 
was that we weren't there to replace corporate communications from local government. We were working in association with Essex County Council, who were doing their thing in terms of the corporate comms that reached their audience. And we were there to reach the people who maybe don't always interact with corporate comms one reason or another, because they think, oh, it's the government, it's this, it's that, and whatever. And we were taking, we were trying to, we basically found, found a niche, for want of a better word, a gap in the market for using memes to get very, very serious COVID information out by the power of memes. I mean, for instance, we would just use anything as long as we've got the message across. Um, one of the most popular posts we did was when face masks were really starting to pick up face mask use. Because obviously at the start of the pandemic, you know, you could go to Sainsbury's and not have a mask on. But once it became advice to wear the mask, we asked Carol Baskin of Tiger King to record a video. And she was wearing a face mask and she took it off. She goes, I've got a really important message for the people of Essex. And that absolutely blew up, you know, hundreds of thousands of views because they're like, hang on, one of the most, pop, one of the most famous women in the world at the time, because that's just when Tiger King was kicking off as well on Netflix. He's telling people in Essex to wear, to wear a mask. Now, there's no way in hell the, the NHS or local government official page would have done something like that because obviously there's risks to it. I mean, I'm still following the headlines now in case anything emerges about Carol Baskin, meaning I should take the videos down, from, you know, <laughs> God knows what's going to happen there. But again, if you, you know, you just got to try and find a way of getting the message across in a very uncorporate like way. For some businesses that won't work. For instance, maybe financial services, insurance, which are traditionally, you know, slight, not stuffy, but there's only so much that they can do. Mm. We're finding it, I'm finding at the moment that the companies that are doing well on Facebook are the ones that are sort of thinking a little bit outside the box. I know it's a really horrible, it's a really cliche term, but they're, they're thinking uncorp, uncorporately. They're thinking, obviously, you know, they have to take the reputation into account as well. But at the same time, if there's a way of doing something that will get people's attention and generally not get them sued or closed down, it's generally a good idea. Mm. And I, I remember uh, having a talk with you at Anfield when we, we went up to watch uh, Arsenal. Uh, I, I think they lost to Liverpool, I think, if I recall. One of the occasions, yeah. Yeah, it would have been one of those try occasions. To, try, and, yeah, try and kind of narrow it down a bit. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's one of yeah. those occasions where, where Arsenal lost heavily uh, at Anfield. Um, it you was were, only 3-1. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good result for Arsenal. Um, yeah. But you, you were telling me about how you got Manbiaving Dadley to 100,000 likes or followers on the page. Yeah, and there was a strategy you used to do that. Can you can you share that with us now? Yeah, um, it was kind of again, it's kind of like half gaming the algorithm. I say gaming the algorithm. It wasn't. It was more gaming the system as such. But I mean, first of all, a lot of people who own Facebook pages are completely unaware they have the ability to invite people who like. Um, again, it's, you can't see any metrics. So you have to sort of guess how well it's going, but. People who like your post but don't like your page until you reach 100,000 likes or followers or whatever Facebook wants to call them this week, until you reach that 100,000, you have the ability to invite. And when you press the invite button, whoever liked your post will get a little ping up saying, you know, you've, you have been invited to like this page. The issue is that you're only allowed to invite a certain amount of people per day and then Facebook turns off the function for 24 hours. But what you can do is if you build a team of admins and moderators, I think they they have to have uh, moderator access. They don't even need to have full admin or editor access. Literally just build a team of people. And when the opportunity comes up and you get a post that takes off, you can just sort of lean on them quickly to say, oh, do you mind just inviting everyone that you can? So instead of having one batch of invites before it turns itself off, 
you've got I, I had about twenty I had about twenty people at one point <laughs> basically in a closed Facebook group to say oh hi would you all mind just going and doing some invites and doing that got it to a hundred thousand really quickly. Um, a couple of people have told me it's a bad it's a bad idea because you're doing it in an artificial manner as opposed to just organically growing the page. But my argument is well, why on earth would Facebook offer you the facility to do it? Yeah, you know, I mean, and also you have to prepare for listeners as well because I mean, it's a lot easier on your phone because when you're first when you first start doing it occasionally you'll be lucky enough to see a button saying invite all at the top of your page but it's very random normally you've just got to open the post and go invite 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 invite, invite. and i find the faster you do that the quicker you get stopped so at one point i was just going invite 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 or slowing it down i was varying the speed um there's a Google Chrome extension available. And again, I think it might have been turned off now because Facebook wise, you know, wise up to it. But there was a um, Google Chrome extension as well that you could use where it would invite a certain amount of people and then stop. But again, that automatedness, I think, triggered a lot of Facebook um, red flags as well. Facebook aren't some, you know, backstreet garage organization. They mm. can tell, I think, when people are using automated tools. I don't know how the big... Um, you know how all the big poker sites wised up to people using poker bots a while ago mm. when they would look for certain background processes on your computer and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure that Facebook wised up to these Google Chrome auto invites as well. They're, but again, it's, it's just generally more, more rewarding and more fun. You think you've actually put a real effort in when you sit there for hours going <laughs> like that, don't you? you know. yeah. Again, that, that's just how I got to 100,000. Again, though, once you get to 100,000, that's it. You don't get the facility anymore. So you have to actually rely on producing good content, mm. which isn't the worst thing in the world. But. No, no. There, there used to be um, a Chrome extension for Twitter doing a similar thing for you to yeah. harvest people who liked or interacted and you could follow them and you set things like that. I think that stopped working with Twitter's last redesign a few years ago. And I remember back in the old days, for anybody old enough listening to this, there was something similar for MySpace as well, which would automatically yeah. go through and, and harvest people to, to interact with you. So th this kind of stuff's existed for a long time, but yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, again, Twitter's an interesting one, actually. I've only really started bothering with Twitter recently because just for some I just didn't really see it was worth my time. But I mean, what I found now with Twitter is that Twitter is a really good testing ground for stuff that I'm going to shove on Facebook, <laughs> to be honest, because, again, sometimes I'll post something on Facebook and I'll get absolutely dragged in the comments, but it works on Twitter. I, I don't know why it's a different audience slightly, but also mm. the great thing, I mean, a, a lot of Facebook pages do this, is they'll post something on Twitter, and if it takes off, they won't cut and paste the text. They'll literally just take a screenshot of their own tweet and then whack it on Facebook. And I find with Twitter, because I've had a couple of tweets recently that have absolutely blown up. Um, I mean, what was it? I've gone from about 10,000 followers to 30... I'll have to check that before I sound, but something like 38,000 in space for uh, six weeks or so. And all I've done is every time I've had a post that's absolutely blown up, like when the one about autism and Luke doing an autism for the lady who didn't recognise it, you was like, you don't look autistic. Oh, do you mind doing an autism for the lady, that one? <laughs> and also another one about mortgages the other day really blew up as well. Yeah, I saw that one. Um, about mortgage, uh, I mean, I was about to say that, you know, if you can pay your rent for 12, for like £1,100, surely you can pay a mortgage of 750 but banks don't think so. Um, if I get a tweet that really takes off, I'll put a tweet underneath it. You know, like you can have a thread of tweets. Yeah. I'll put a tweet underneath just saying something slightly funny and confrontational, saying, 
what do you mean you've liked this post and you haven't followed me yet? How dare you have put links to a profile? And that, and I found that has driven growth of my Twitter page or my um, Twitter account more than anything I've ever done before. Because one thing that I notice sometimes is when you look around at tweets that went absolutely crazy viral, I'm talking about maybe 200,000 likes and God knows how many retweets. When you look at the followers, so when, when you look at the account's Twitter following, it's relatively low. And I think, how can that yeah. be right? You know, because again, you think, hang on a minute, that is literally a once in a lifetime occurrence when a tweet absolutely flies out the door. And you might only get a couple of hundred followers from it. But by physically confronting people underneath your tweet saying, you know, how dare you not follow me yet? You know, I'm, I'm absolutely disgusted. Really lay it on thin. I found doing that is a massive driver of new of um, new new followers on, on there. And again, it's just a proper old-fashioned organic beg, for want of a better word. But it actually really, really works. It's, it's adding a call to action. It's adding a call to action. Yeah. So many people oh, yeah, yeah. Put, put Facebook ads out and they pay for the ads, but they don't put a call to action in it. You know they'll yeah. have they'll have websites without a call to action. You'll get the the co- most common thing that salespeople find that when they they lose a sale, it's because they haven't asked for it. <laughs> it's it's it is, know, it's the call to just action. Think, well, again, I've 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 lost count recently of the amount of times when I've seen an advert on Facebook for like a fish and chip shop in Wigan because the people staff the people posting the advert just haven't bothered looking at the geographical sets. Mm. Yeah, whatever, eighteen sixty four UK, whatever. <laughs> oh wow, and I've the, I can see why they've done it. They've probably looked at. Because obviously, the more localized you make the advert, the cheaper the views get. But you know, if you're going to get like three p a visitor, which is super cheap, but I'm two hundred miles away from the chipper, you have to ask yourself why. And they just <laughs> go like, "Bring of the charm shop." And I think a lot of it is down to maybe agencies who are less scrupulous than yourselves. Mm. You know, saying, "Oh, you know," they just throw figures in front of a client and go, "Oh, look how many views this ad- this advert had." Oh, great, brilliant, and not actually realised. You know, the client hasn't really realised that a lot of those views are just completely irrelevant. Yeah. So they're so driven by numbers that they'll accept any old crap, basically. <laughs> Speaking of any old crap, Nigel Farage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nigel Farage, you have been a thorn in his side for, for some time. Uh, with the the the, uh, the lifeboat fundraiser for one, yeah. he he called you out on was was it GB News or was it a tweet he called you out on? It's kind of like a combination of places he called out me and the whole process in his own unique way that I just happened to jump on and put. I mean, for instance, um, there was a rant on GB News about the lifeboat itself, basically, um, and then there was also a column in the Telegraph which is where, in the space of a week, he'd referred to me and my people, so to speak, as being left-wing metropolitan <laughs> liberals. I mean, two things just don't work, basically. Yeah. But, you know, he was proper going off on one by this point. I don't think he was quite thinking straight at the time. So what, 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 would you want to tell us what it is that you actually did and that got yeah. him so angry and what were the results were? Yeah, I mean, again, like so much other stuff that I do, I'm jumping on trends there and then when they happen sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't whatever just you know two minutes of my time gone whatever move on if it doesn't work but this was just at the height this was last august just at the height of the decent weather when the channel was very calm so the migrant crossings from france were increasing further i mean again how much they were increasing is a matter of opinion you know again he probably made it out to be a lot worse than it really was to be fair but Obviously, the issue for the art for the RNLI was the R, the RNLI were getting an absolute pasting on social media and beyond because 
they were saying, you know, how dare you how dare you use our donations to assist illegal immigration, not realizing that the RNLI have a duty to save all lives at sea, no matter who they are, basically. As do I think as do all seafaring vessels, to be honest, they have a duty, I believe, to actually go and help any other seafaring vessel that gets into distress. And the issue was at the time that a lot of people were commenting on Facebook saying, that's it, I'm cancelling my direct debit, or I'm not donating anymore. And obviously, a lot of people could see that it was going to hit their bottom line because they're entirely funded, as far as I know, they're entirely funded by charitable giving. So, you know, if they don't get any money, people don't people don't get saved at sea, simple as that. Hmm. Anyway, as time went on, I thought, you know, it'd be really funny because I'm obviously from the South End area and it's one of only two or three parts of the UK where the RNLI use a hovercraft because the Thames Estuary is tidal and sometimes you can have to walk two miles out before you get to any water. Be like, I mean, it's sort of South and uh, Morecambe, I think, as well. They might use it. I think there might be one in Norfolk, I don't know, but anyway. So I thought, you know, it'd be funny. They should get a rescue hovercraft and call it the Flying Farage. <laughs> and then... It can go out and rescue people at sea. And it'll turn up with a big Farage face plastered on it, you know. <laughs> Again, I knew, it, I knew there wasn't a cat in hell's chance for it actually happening because the only lie have to be very careful. They can't be political or controversial. You know, they can't upset anybody. But I thought, you know, it'd be so funny as a concept, to be honest. So I put the GoFundMe, and this is a very important point. The GoFundMe page goes up, but I'm not doing a crowdfunder because that basically legally obliges me to do everything with the money myself to go out and buy a hovercraft. If it doesn't happen, people can, you know, get very aggressive and go legal and stuff like that. No, no. Like the trust or trust one with the Hopkins issue a few years ago, I made it very, very clear the money is going direct to the RNLI. I was doing it as a, fund, as a fundraiser, so I don't handle the cash, it goes straight to the RNLI, and they can do what they want, and they can do what they want with it if they don't happen to need a new hovercraft. So anyway, it starts off, you know, maybe 10,000, 15,000, which is great because, I mean, these days you launch an internet crowdfund or GoFundMe, whatever, and 99% of them just, you know, die, die death, basically. Yeah. And it was doing well. It was about 25,000, I think. And that was the point when he starts ranting off in his column, GB News segment, and whatever. And the problem is that, as with the Katie Hopkins Trussell Trust one years ago, it has the opposite effect. You start ranting about it, and all of a sudden, people start to look it out. Now, what Katie Hopkins did is that she, she actually shared the link to it years ago, saying, please report this as fraud. <laughs> and that just went, made donations go through the roof. But Genius. As soon as Farage mentioned the hovercraft, well, he goes, you know, they, and he goes, his exact words were, there's even a fundraiser to name a lifeboat after me. And of course, that gets everybody onto Twitter and onto Facebook looking for it, Google. <laughs> And that's when they start sharing it. And all of a sudden, £30,000 is becoming 50, 60, 70, 80. Um, I think at, at the moment it stands at just under 140000 because every time he traps off, I just reshare it. <laughs> and the um, the lie themselves, I mean, again, when these things happen, it doesn't take too long for someone in the PR department to get in touch with me and say, oh, hi, you know, just want to say really thank you for what you've done, et cetera, et cetera. And they said, look, we've, we've obviously looked around and there's no... There's no demand, well, there's no need to purchase a lifeboat at the moment because how they work is they're, I believe all their rescue craft are sort of funded five years in advance mm. based on legacy giving, you know, wills and stuff like that. But all other donations are used for whatever cost they may incur. And what the RNLI agreed to do, because there was no need to buy a hovercraft or even a new lifeboat, they just agreed to split whatever was coming in 
in terms of running costs between five or six different southeast corner R&I stations, like Dungeness, Dover, places like that. So the money that is raised is basically going directly towards saving the people who Farage and all his other white and friends tend to rant about, <laughs> which was obviously the best, I think, the best uh, outcome for all concerned. <laughs> and I, I just sort of made it very clear as well in the actual GoFundMe, if yeah. there is no need for a new hovercraft, the RNLI reserve the right to use this money however they want. And that's a good way of doing it, because when you do it as a fundraiser, people can obviously gift aid it as well. So I say 140000 but obviously gift aid, you know, um, there's no way of knowing how many people gift aided it, which is, what, 25%, I think, on top. And it's the same. We we uh, we did one just a straight-up fundraiser for Save the Children when the Ukraine conflict kicked off, and that got to about 92000 But again, the gift aid is what really pushes these things further and further. Mm. And it also protects you against accusations of, you know, what you're doing with the money, that kind of thing, yeah. which people like a lot. Well, yeah, I've noticed you, you, you get a lot of that, you don't you? You get you get a lot of for want of a better word, knuckle draggers accusing yeah. you of, of taking the money yourself and, and spending yeah. it all yourself, which is which is ludicrous. Well I mean again, it... it's quite nice though, because I'm just waiting for one right wing grifter for one of a bit. Yeah, yeah, for one of a bit. I'm waiting for one right wing grifter with a high enough profile to say the right thing that's gonna let me launch my first high profile, you know. Jack Monroe style libel case. I mean, she's just going for a second one at the moment. It's happened again, which we've seen it on Twitter the other day. Somebody making really silly comments. It was uh, Lee Anderson, the MP over in Mansfield, Asheville, wherever that. Yeah, yeah, over that way, Nottinghamshire, making comments about her, you know, pocketing money off the backs of the vulnerable and the poor. Which, when wrapped up into the rest of the conversation, I think they're going to get in very hot water there. But again, you know, just. It's kind of like I'm just basically waiting for my own kind of idiotic grifter moment to, uh, you know, maybe launch something like that. But <laughs> thankfully, it hasn't happened yet. Thank, thankfully, or is that something you're you're kind of waiting for? And I say waiting for, but to be honest, I am glorifying it to an extent because I know that obviously in Jack's case, she went, you know, she has been for a hell of a time mentally trying to deal with it all. So perhaps it's not the you know, gold-plated um, opportunities that I'm that I am uh, making out. But you're ready if you're aspect. ready if it happens. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm definitely ready if it happens. Because cool. again, you know, people don't realise that with Twitter, if you've got a high enough profile and you say something and you get rid of it ten minutes later, you can bet your bottom dollar that you know a hundred people would have already taken a screenshot. Yeah. I mean, there are sites dedicated to it, like um, Politwoops, I think it's called, where very high-profile political figures, every time they tweet, Politwoops creates a backup of it in case they decide to take it off. Mm. That's why you see a lot of people getting absolutely slated for whatever they're posting because they don't realise that, you know, everything they're putting out without thinking gets recorded somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, it is important for people to know that anything you put on the internet, it's not temporary, it's permanent. Even yeah. if, even if, if you delete it. Even if you take it off seconds later, there's always one person who screenshots it. Mm. It's happened to me on a few occasions in the past where I've put something up then taking it off again, and then some bright spark a few days later. Well, oh, actually, you're so pissed. Like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it, it was interesting what you said earlier on, though, when you, you mentioned how you you put content out, but it doesn't always work. Yeah, because because some people do do think that you know you they see what you put out, they think right, he's just hitting it time and time and time and time again. But when you're creating content, whether it's for yourself or whether it's for a client or whether it's yeah. for your business, it doesn't always hit the mark, does it? It doesn't. I mean, I say it doesn't hit the mark. I'd say maybe 95% of everything that I do 
this is why I don't always spend hours doing things because I just know that you could spend four hours writing something that absolutely dies, you know, dies, flops out, and then literally a five-second throwaway tweet screenshot and it goes through the roof. Mm. You just don't know. And again, you're at the hands of the algorithm. If you're doing something that's trending, you've got a much better chance. I mean, I had a feeling that when I did, um, I did a review of Aldi's new baby wipes <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, and I knew that I had a feeling it might be a winner because the sheer number of people already commenting to say, you know, this is like one of the worst things to ever happen to me. Well, it's a bit melodramatic seeing as what's going on in the world at the moment, but I kind of see where they're coming from. Yeah. Because again, I've got a 14 month old and I'm literally putting 15 wipes at a time out and I'm going, oh, come on, this is a uh, hell. <laughs> just saying that, I've just noticed actually. You've got them there. On my desk, I've just found one of the um, golden tickets, 64 pack version, that right. the old, that the old fashioned design. So you're going to put that in a safety, put that in a safety deposit box for the future. Yeah, probably. Um, but again, I just because I'm obviously watching what's happening trend wise all the time, something like that. I mean, it ends up being viewed uh, or in terms of reach. And again, reach impressions. It was about 3.4 million in the end. People saw it on Facebook, but. Aldi never bothered to reply. You know, I did sort of send it to a couple of times where he's saying, look, you know, look at all the comments. Do not delude yourselves into thinking that people are happy with the new wipes. Wow. Because, yeah, but again, you know, they haven't replied because I think Aldi will just do, their argument is that they're obviously, you know, plastic free now, that, which that, is great. That, that, I'm all for plastic free. But if they're going to literally drive people to madness, hmm. is it really worth it in the long run? That's surprising you know. that Aldi haven't replied because you, you've got such exposure with that. And Aldi generally are pretty good on Twitter. They're pretty good on social they are. media. Perhaps, I reckon there are some topics that they're very reluctant to wade into at the moment just because they know that unlike Cuff but the Caterpillar and things like that and the whole cake thing, you know, with, that, with things like that, Aldi know that um, people are very much on their side. I think with the baby wipe situation, I've got a feeling that if they kicked off or even just mentioned it, the sentiment would not be as good as they would hope. <laughs> just because, I mean, again, when I looked at the comments on the post itself, I reckon 95% of the people commenting there were of the same opinion. A few people saying, I don't know what's wrong with them, not realise that they were still getting through the old ones, <laughs> you know. Right. But again, you know, it's this whole, just this whole kind of thing where on another day, Facebook behaving a different way i could have posted exactly the same thing and it would have got 20 likes yeah and it would have fallen off because again facebook some sometimes as well facebook will decide in the first five seconds of the post going live whether it's a winner or not and when you have one of these flop posts as i call them there's absolutely nothing you can do you can pay to boost it and you find the boost just doesn't work either because facebook just literally if that ever happens just give up it's literally not worth, you know, it's not worth driving yourself mad over. And yet it can be quite hard to take that when you've developed, when you've dedicated such a huge amount of time and resources into making something. If Facebook decide it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Just give up and move on. Mm. That's a horrible way of looking at it, but you well, can just drive yourself crazy. I, I found that myself when I did that. Yeah. One, the, the best post I've had for the Chester Bugle was the Nokia uh, 3310 yeah. found in a drawer after 20 years with 70% battery. When I put yeah. that on originally, I thought this is the funniest thing I've ever written. And it had <laughs> maybe 15, 20 interactions. That was it. And I thought, yeah. I'm sure it was funnier than that. But I, I just waited a couple of months, then put it on again. Then yeah. it went viral. It had over a million engagements on Facebook. And then people started making yeah. videos across Asia about it, about disbunking it, saying it was fake. So 
Do yeah. you do you ever do that? Do you ever think, right, this this post hasn't worked, but I'm sure it's funnier than people are, are saying it is. Just try it again later at a different time. I do, but actually, one thing I tend to do is I actually repeat my best bits of content. Just for some reason, if I find my audience has grown over a two-year period, I'll repeat something and it will do even better. Yeah. Again, maybe I should start to look at some of the older bits as well. But again, I've repeated older bits before and they just haven't done anything, to be fair. Well, it's, it's, it's recycling. So, it's good for the environment to recycle your content. Oh, yeah, yeah. Def <laughs> yeah, definitely. But again, you know, I think... One thing that people just need to realise sometimes is that if it, if it if it's not working on Facebook, it's not it's not especially your fault or something you've done. Mm. It's just the, it's just the mood of the algorithm at any particular given time. Yeah, and you shouldn't beat yourself up about it. Just carry on. Again, I get people messaging me sometimes saying, "Oh, you know, I'm why haven't I been able to grow my page in the last four or five years?" And I'll be like, "Well, just keep doing what I did. Just literally, in my page." daddy page only originally took off the way it did because of one post it was a post about uh about bottle feeding my baby with my sleeves exposed and you know people were heavily distracted by open openly visible biceps that was the one post that just kicked it off and what people with smaller pages might find is they'll get one post and it literally changes everything in terms of their reach when I mean, you get a really good example is um there was a viral story I believe was it earlier this year or like, it's definitely over the last 12 months you might have seen it yourself of a lady on the south and seafront with her autistic son and he was having a serious meltdown you know a serious a really you know serious uh episode he was just on on the floor wouldn't move he was really upset it was over a uh, parking space which he was he was always used to going a certain way after getting out of the car and that's what triggered it basically mm. and a runner was coming past and the runner got down to her son's level and just because he was he obviously knew what was happening and just had a chat with him and that instantly calmed him down this random act of kindness from a jogger out on the seafront in south end now she took a photo of that uh the blog's called better to be different and off the back of that single post you know she was all over the media she got on telly newspapers all, all sorts and that basically catapulted her page to a absolutely stratospheric level and now everything that she posts because of the increased reach and visibility of her page does a lot better than it would before because it's literally that one post that kicked it all off massively you know i'm talking over a hundred thousand reactions on facebook yeah. talking absolutely massive and that's what i tell people that literally there'll be that one post that kicks it all off and all of a sudden it just changes everything but a lot, too many people these days want to know why they're not having that post so soon. Like years ago, I had a local dry cleaner get in touch saying, oh, hi, um, any chance we could sort of do a post together on your local South End pages? Um, I've got 50 quid. I want it to go viral. I want to like, oh, hang, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Nobody knows what's going to go viral. You can't just load up Facebook and go, right, let's go viral. It just doesn't happen. Mm. You know, you'll just keep posting and eventually something will take off. But people just... People just maybe aren't prepared to wait for something to take off. Yeah, they, That's they, the issue. they, they just expect it's going to happen. Um, they do. I mean, again, I mean, again, you have you have to know how to handle it because, um, again, there are some pages where they'll get really excited about a post going massively viral, but the issue is the post itself hasn't really got anything to do with their page and what they're trying to promote. For instance, there's 
a local radio station, not quite name. It's not too difficult to figure it out. <laughs> and they've got an absolute, you know, they've got a really large following on Facebook. The reason they've got a really large following on Facebook is because shortly after they got going, um, somebody doing their social media posted a video of a dog in China doing something cute. And the video was in Mandarin, I think. And the issue was it went absolutely crazy viral, you know, really, really good stats. The issue was it went crazy viral, really, really good stats in China. And the radio station is based locally down close to Essex, basically close to here in Essex. And they keep right. We've got absolutely viral in China. Brilliant. You know, over 100,000 followers. Awesome. But the problem is that a massive proportion of those followers live in China and only speak Mandarin. <laughs> so now when they want to post about, you know, Ollie Murs or something and whatever, quite a few people don't even see the post because they've gone viral in completely, in completely the wrong place at the wrong time. And this is what I was saying before about people obsessing about numbers and stuff like that. And basically they're getting undone when they actually realize what the impact of that particular bit of virality really is. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. you, you told me before, when you got your Mum Behaving Dudley to 100,000, you then can't yeah. do the invites afterwards, but you did, I believe, get a Facebook account manager. No, not quite. I had a weird, I had a weird notification pop up, inviting me to become or invite me to apply for an account manager, uh, and then the form didn't work. Oh, and of course we're that you can't just you know call technical support and say, oh, what's going on? No, no. So again, you know that sort of came and went. I mean, recently, off the back of the Audi post, I found myself getting a blue tick on Facebook, which was nice because again, I've got a blue tick on my personal page and my. Um, Behaving done enough because again, uh, with my personal wall, that incident with the food bank, not the food bank, the school over in Wales when I got in a few of the papers. Oh, yeah, when you offered to pay off the, the, the debt. The, the, yeah, the again, we had like a we had a pot of um, we had a pot of fundraising cash from another food bank fundraiser, and I just said, Look, to this like you know, absolutely you know, draconian head teacher, look, I'll just pay off, let's just you know, sort, sort it out. But he never got back to me for various reasons, but again. Because that got into the Mirror and some other national press like ITV.com, I was able to fill in the form on Facebook for a blue tick, and they saw they asked for links to say, you know, why do you think you're a public, pro, you know, you're a public figure and all that stuff, and then bish bash bosh, and they said, oh yeah, you you're eligible for a blue tick, which is really nice to have. Mm. And the reason it's nice to have a blue tick, I found on my personal page, on my personal wall, is that for some reason, if I comment on something publicly all the blue tick comments get moved to the top when other people are looking at them. <laughs> Even though there's no official, you know, record of that being the case. I mean, for instance, you know, just, just, just after the match last night, I went straight onto the Arsenal Facebook post on the official page and said, you know, when is this team going to care as much about saying merchandise that it does about on-field performances? Well, you know, I'm not a fun one to talk here. But, um, and again, that started getting reactions instantly because blue tick comments get put at the top of the list. And that's another really good way to grow your page. When you do get that blue tick, just comment on anything and everything around Facebook because people see it and follow you. Yeah. And Facebook put a little follow button as well if you're doing it as a page. For instance, my friend um, Fran, who runs Winch Winch Wine, which is another parenting blog, ever since she got her blue tick, she just roams the in she just roams Facebook commenting on every Daily Mail article that she can find. <laughs> it really rolls people up. But because she has that blue tick, her comment is moved to the top of all the comments, maybe a thousand comments, hers is boshed right at the top of them. And Facebook put a follow button next to it because it, it's a page. 
they put one next to me actually when I'm doing it on my own profile, which I tend to get a lot of followers from that. So it's literally just about taking every single, you know, sniff of fame that Facebook give you <laughs> and trying to game it for your own advantage. That's how I'm trying to grow these yeah. days. Yeah. No, that that that's brilliant. I mean, it's it's the dream. I think of every business of every every profile to have a have a blue tick, but it requires a it lot mean, a lot of work it, to it, to get to. Yeah, it. it did used to be. I mean, it used to be a lot easier to get blue ticks as well. I mean, yeah. again, I, because I know people within Facebook, based on the Facebook community group stuff that we do. I mean, for, I mean, I was actually up at Facebook HQ a few weeks ago. I got to meet Prince Charles when he opened the new Meta headquarters in King's Cross mm. because of the work that we've done for Ukraine humanitarian relief on our Facebook group. They were keen for us to present to Prince Charles, which was awesome. But again, people I know within Facebook that I met there just said that these days, you know, sorry, sound a bit like Stuart Lee now these days. Um, <laughs> it's, it's incredibly difficult now to get a page blue ticked if it's to do with a single person a figure as opposed to running a business. So to finally qualify for that blue tick was a bit of a, you know, thing that I was quite happy with. Mm. Yeah, I do remember it used to be quite easy. We had a lot of pages that were ticked originally because yeah. you, you literally just yeah. apply for it and prove you are who you are and you'd get it. But yeah. then they rescinded all of those and they made them far more difficult. They did to me. Facebook, Facebook used to have a grey tick as well as a blue tick. You know, mm. the blue tick was for the high-profile public figures. The grey tick was literally a case of just submitting your certificate of incorporation or something like that as a limited company yeah. and you get the great tick i even have one for south and news network at one point <laughs> you know before they uh before they before they did away with them so yeah, yeah. there's there's one thing I, I did want to talk about before we finish and yeah. we, we, we've gone through the the aldi wet wipes which is basically paper covered with shit so while we're on the subject of paper covered with shit i think we yeah. have to talk about the sun newspaper yeah yeah <laughs> You have masterfully trolled the Sun newspaper on, I believe, multiple occasions to get them to print things that... Well, just, I mean, just one, really. I mean, there's, been the, big, there's the big one. There's the big one, yeah. The big one, yeah. I mean, with the Sun, the big one was, um, again, South News Network instant that spiralled out of control very, very quickly, which I just let it run, basically. But um, when my daughter was... I can never remember when she was 12 or 18 months or six. I can't remember now. But when she was very, when, when she was quite young, my only daughter, Emma, um, she had this little cow onesie, you know, <laughs> the, the all over outfits, basically, with yeah. the hood with the horns on it. And I just took a photo of her and put some absolute crap up on South and News Network. It took me, five, took me five minutes to write it, just say, oh, you know, um, adorable toddler kicked out of vegan's birthday party for wearing a cow onesie. <laughs> and then, I threw in a load of red herring because I always did. Like, for instance, the baby was called Tanya Hyde. Um, the <laughs> vegan, the absolutely crazy vegan mother was called Esmeralda Soya Beans and all these, all these stupid little red herrings. It was online for about a week or something like that when I get an email from someone at the picture desk at the Sun, you know, just saying, um, oh, hi, just wondering if we could use this picture. Who do we have to credit it to? And I said, I'll just credit itself and news network thinking that the sun were doing some kind of feature about fake news websites or mm. something like that anyway then within about an hour after about an hour after that i notice on the sun's website that they've actually taken it as a real story <laughs> and they've quoted it and they've literally reprinted it chunk by chunk and they put it on the sun website they put it on their facebook page 
and it took him about three hours to realise that it wasn't true <laughs> and take it off. So obviously it was a Saturday, so maybe their regular editorial team weren't all there. Mm. But it literally took about three hours for it to come down because they realised, and they were even reprinting the names as well. They were actually reprinting the names of all the people that I'd chucked in there that were fake too. <laughs> and it was about three hours before it came down. <laughs> but you you filled a lot of not just newspapers, you filled a lot of right, mostly right-wing people into sharing yeah. fake news. Is there a formula that you have for creating something that's going to work? No, because I find the more ridiculous I've made it, the easier it's been to get people to go. I went with, for instance, um, Tommy Robinson, whatever he's called this week, um, <laughs> the one about the band bikinis on South End Seafront, because it offends people, not knowing that South End Seafront is warm enough for bikinis maybe two weeks a year, <laughs> you know, little things like that. Um, Katie Hopkins, you know, the one about the M, the one about the M25 was a perfect storm when she was on L, when she was on LBC with her two million listeners or whatever it was at the time. Um, I did a story just saying the M25 is going to be shut for a week because they're going to have like a cycling race and a jogging race around it <laughs> to get people fit and healthy, and they're going to close the M25 for a week. And she literally just got into the office to do her LBC radio show. And her taxi had been severely held up because they were having a cycling event in London. Uh, and, of course, most of London was shut off. And so she was already riled up about that. And in some in some research or something, or she'd done it herself, or maybe she had, like, a researcher who was having a laugh, gives her this bit of paper printed out from the South News Network saying they're going to shut the M25 for a week. And then she sat there live in front of two million people reading out this story line by line, getting more and more angry about it. Um, the fact that I'd called... I'd quoted the MP in there as like uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Jeremy Spunton, all these stupid <laughs> reading out. And then half an hour later, she then goes back on LBC and issues an apology saying, no, it turns out it's not actually real. I mean, again, uh, Britain First, when they when they were allowed on Facebook, they shared a bit of content about the village of um, High Easter in Essex having to, take it, to change its name because it was offending non-Christians. <laughs> so again, there's no formula to it. The more unbelievable it is, the easier it is for people to seem to fall for it. Uh, English Defence League shared something about hot cross buns having the crosses taken off. Mm. It's just, <laughs> you know, people just want to confirm. It's like confirmation bias. Yeah. But when you let your confirmation bias force you to share stuff that's blatantly fake, you really need to have a good hard look at yourself, I think. <laughs> So it is literally just find out the most ridiculous thing that somebody is likely yeah. to believe if they're angry enough and getting them yeah. to, to fall for sharing it. Um, yeah. the, the one thing that you did that I, I always tell people about when, whenever I speak to, to people talk about fundraising is your Save the Sun newspaper campaign. Yeah. Which is, I've got to say, that is absolutely genius because you, you trot that out every now and then. It gets people who, who like the Sun newspaper to share it because they think the sun is going under and it gets yeah. people who know what it really is to share it because they know they're going to fool idiots who like the Sun newspaper to get them from going yeah. under. What, what was your what was your your theory behind doing that? Why, why did you set that up? Um, the theory behind doing it well, it was quite simple. Um, it was it was uh, what was it? Just after the start, you know, just after lockdown, the pandemic got underway. Um, one of the journalists, I remember, probably Dan Wooten at the Sun or somebody, did a massive heartfelt plea on Twitter to keep buying the sun because print sales were falling, you know, oh, <laughs> you know it's just, didn't. you know, basically, yeah, I know, exactly. you know, you're sort of, you know, trying to convince somebody from Liverpool that, you know, <laughs> this thing you're doing, it's just, it's just a, yeah, know, it, it, doesn't, it does, doesn't sell well up here. It doesn't sell well up here for some reason. I don't know. No, 
Yeah, I don't know why. But <laughs> anyway, so he did this heartfelt thing saying, make sure you buy the Sun newspaper. So I did a GoFundMe. Now, for this one, it was actually a proper GoFundMe, which we were handling the money for, which was fine in the end because we set it all up. Properly saying, um, you know, every penny you donate, we will use to go out and buy copies of the Sun newspaper and give them out for free to people just to keep the numbers up. <laughs> and I put all these terms and conditions in it. And as they're reading it further and further down, the terms and conditions are getting more and more ridiculous, <laughs> knowing that people wouldn't even get that far. And it's basically like, oh, please no, I will not use this money to buy copies of the Sun newspaper. If and they get more ridiculous, like it, 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 it ends up going as far as if the day has a Y at the end <laughs> and if it's cloudy, or if I test positive for COVID, or you know, if it's windy, or there's a monster in the street, and just stuff like that. And in the end, it became perfectly clear that we weren't going to give them a penny, mm. but um, all of the money ends up going to uh, food banks in Essex and organizations that hand out food like community fridges and stuff like that. Mm. It's about 28,000, 30,000, I can't remember how much it was now, but again, it was just um, it was just another way of using satire to actually get people to do something good. Even though I did get quite a lot of stick from people messaging me, um, somebody from Liverpool called, actually called, called, um, called me a laugh in an Instagram message. They said, oh, you know, what the hell are you doing, you absolute laugh? Which I then had to look it up. You know, somebody said, What's this La doing? He's like, La, what were you talking about? La, La. But um, yeah, you know, most people actually saw what I was doing in the end and were generally very happy. Yeah. I think initially when, when Scousers would have seen that, they'd have been absolutely petrified, terrified and appalled at what yeah. you were doing. But then when they realised it, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, that's really clever. That I like that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Last year, I managed to spend, I managed to spend three, day, um, three days in Liverpool without having my head caved in, so I think we're all, <laughs> all good. It's a bonus. It's a bonus. Yeah. Okay. So I was supposed to go to Anfield, didn't I? Without you know. You did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal yeah. got their heads caved in, but yeah, you 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 re- emerged unscathed. Yeah. So yeah. if somebody wants to to follow you to to see more of what the stuff that you were putting out there, what is the best way for them to follow you? Um, just man behaving dadly, not badly, but dadly with a D. Mm. Man behaving dadly. If in doubt, look for the blue check. It's that one. So. Yeah, and not not men behaving badly as you sometimes Which get is incorrectly an called. Issue in itself, actually, because since the page took off, it gets cloned an awful lot with mm. people giving out centre park style giveaways and things like that. Uh, so the blue tick is another sort of confirmation that you know if it's not ticked, it's not me. But it happens at least once a month. Somebody somebody nicks all my pictures and uh, <laughs> tries to give away money that I don't have. Do you know, I, I, I see those fake competitions so often, and I'm frequently telling yeah. people, I've got a video explaining what competitions are fake that I share around yeah. all. Yeah, the car one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's the, the one, the car yeah. one. But yeah. you've got to hand it to these competition pages. They're getting hundreds of thousands of people falling for it. So whatever they're doing, they're doing something very, very well, but they're doing very bad things, but they're doing it very, very effectively. You know, I don't really understand why Facebook don't take them more seriously. Yeah. I mean, they do. They do eventually get taken down. Yeah, it takes meantime, weeks sometimes, doesn't filtered, it? Takes weeks. They've already filtered a load of people through to their mm. phishing sites and captured their details. So they honestly don't care if they get taken down. They'll just come back again because pe- people are so desperate for four nights in a chalet mm. that they will literally, you know, literally give their inside leg measurement away to some random on the internet. Yeah, and you see it in the comments as well. I mean, it can just say the one. I, the fantastic one recently was something called Santorini Holiday or Santorini Travel. 
just mm. comment done. <laughs> that's like an in, that, that was like an in joke. Yeah, just you, comment done. You have been. You have been. Yeah. Just you know, just comment done, and people were literally going into a five-page soliloquy about why they deserve this holiday. You know, you know, my hamster's got gonorrhea, that sort of thing. And you think, oh, just please, and you just, and I was actually banned from commenting <laughs> because I, I because I found after a while that this page wouldn't let me comment. I was going in there warning people. Yeah. So they get you know, if you if you manage to reel in a, a million people and. 0.01% of them fall for it and give their details. It's basically job done, yeah. which is why they which is why they do what they do what they you know they do what they do. It it is frustrating, yeah, that it, it Facebook can identify these, particularly when they are they're copy and brand names. So I've seen them as yeah. Aldi, I've seen them as Mercedes before, I've seen them as BMW, and mm. I always report them to the actual companies that do it, and I always get a response back. Yeah. They always yeah. thank me for it. They always say they've reported it, and they always say, "Please don't share your details on this. It's fake." I know it's fake. I told you about yeah. it, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but I don't understand why Facebook can't delete these immediately because it's so obvious that they're fake. Mm. It's so obvious. I don't know. It's an absolute mystery when. Facebook are always really quick to, for instance, if I'm trying to call someone out for being incredibly, you know, for being incredibly racist, and I, and I accidentally screenshot and share the bit of racism in the context of me raising awareness of, you know, mm. within like five seconds it's gone and Facebook will be like, how dare you be racist? Mm. 30 days, see you later. You know? Yeah. But yet for stuff like that, it just propagates. It's weird. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Right. Well, we've ended this on a real bum note there, unfortunately. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. thank you very much for joining me, Simon. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, I always enjoy yeah. speaking to you because your insights on on social media they're they're second to none. I think you are a master at what you do, and I hope you continue to keep doing what you do for many many years to come. So thank you very much for joining me today. Lovely. Thanks, mate. All right. Take cheers. Care.